Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 10th of May, 2020. The hell? 2022. Yeah, why do I have the problem with the year? I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to the podcast. It is a lovely, lovely day as we prepare to bring you the latest and greatest information, news, commentary, and mockery of those in power because Lord knows they deserve it. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com if you so please. Or you can message me through uh, a direct message on Twitter, although that's less I get too many direct messages. I get a lot of them. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm uh, going to be able to respond. Email works better, and messaging through Patreon works better. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. It's where you go to support the show, to enter the contests, and get the weekend F and review and all sorts of bonus material. So check that out. Just low, low price of five bucks a month. All these other places are charging you a fortune for so much. Like, what the hell do you get out of this? You get something. It's cathartic. Last week's uh, Weekend F and Review was, um, was filthy, quite frankly, but it seemed to have uh, made people laugh and think. So there you go. That's what you need. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Okay, let us start the show. There's a lot going on. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day weekend as we really get back into the swing of things after Mother's Day. For Mother's Day, we did, it's kind of become a tradition. And if you live in Maryland, you, you know, probably know what this is. Well, the tradition in Maryland seems to be to go to Ocean City. <clears throat> I'm not a big Ocean City fan. If I were, when I was, you know, young and single, that would be the place to go, Ocean City, Maryland. But I prefer uh, Rehoboth because I want to hang out with Joe Biden, you know. <laughs> That's where he's got one of his mansions right there in the ocean. But uh, we uh, go to Rehoboth because of Funland. If you don't know what Funland is, I highly recommend you look up what Funland is. Just put in Funland Rehoboth and it'll come up. Probably be the first. It might actually even be FunlandRehoboth.com. But it is a an amusement parkish kind of boardwalky thing that is specifically for young kids. And having two young kids, it is a blast. You get these rides from the fifties and sixties that are you know meticulously maintained. And frankly, even if they broke, I'm not sure they could do any damage because you're just sitting there in a fake car going in a circle, or you're on a little boat going in a circle, and you could just reach in and grab the kid. It is. Uh, it, the kids love it. The kids were screaming. The kids were having a blast. I, I almost puked. You want to know how weak my constitution is? The only ride I go on, because I have to go on it, because you gotta sit there with the kid, is the carousel. Yeah, I know you're already lowering your opinion of me. I'm, I'm not a puker in that I puke. I'm just a nauseous, nauseous person in that I get nauseous. So I had to sit on the, uh, stand on the, uh, normally I stand on the carousel. It's an old-timey carousel. It's beautiful. Looks great. Boy, howdy, is it nice to look at and take pictures of. To stand on it and go in a circle makes me want to vomit. So this time I was all set to stand next to Quinn on a horse. She was having a bad mood because we failed to win a stuffed unicorn that she would have immediately 
ignored as soon as she got home, but it was the worst thing she'd ever experienced in her life to that point. So she was in a crabby mood and uh, I traded kids with her mother. So you can stand next to her. And I said, Bailey wanted to sit down. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank she wants to sit on one of those benches because, you know, they got the horses that go up and down. Normally I have to stand there and hold, make sure she doesn't fall. And it's hard to like close your eyes and not vomit while you're standing up and holding onto a kid going up and down. So I thought, great, I'm going to take the kid that wants to sit in a bench because I can sit on a bench like nobody's. I'm really good at sitting on a bench. So I uh, sat down. The thing starts spinning, and I start closing my eyes and look, or looking down at the floor. I'm fine if I can look at a fixed location that isn't moving. I'm not perfectly fine, but I'm much better off than I am if I'm watching the world whiz by. Well, Bailey looks up at me as I've got my like head in my hand, eyes closed, and she pulls my hand away. She says, you've got to open your eyes. You're missing. I'm like, I'm not missing anything, Bailey. And she kept on moving my hand and trying to shake me awake to open my eyes. And so I'd have to open my eyes and look at her and tell her I'm fine, I'm fine, and look at pointing at something and hope she'd look away and then close my eyes again. It was just nauseating. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. And the weather sucked. Did I mention the weather sucked? It's like hurricane, seemingly hurricane force winds, blowing constantly. I was afraid that the place wouldn't open because Mother's Day tradition, they open up on Mother's Day weekend. But they did. It's all garage doors all the way around on the boardwalk, and they only opened one to get in and out, so we weren't impacted by the the rain or the wind. But as soon as you walked outside the place, you had to like hold on to the kids because they would go flying away like a kite if you didn't. Miserable. And they wanted ice cream. So we had to sit there in a little door jam to get out of the wind and the rain so they could eat the frozen custard and get it all over themselves. And then they were happy. And we bought them some cheap stuff. And we were able to go in the pool in the hotel. So it was uh, on Friday night. So it was uh, fun for them, fun for us. And uh, next time we go, we're going to not plan let's like we always go the first day it's open or we try to go the first day it's open and then go throughout the summer a couple of times usually during the week because it's less crowded we'll try to pick better weather days this time kids were like well, i want to go play on the beach and you look out in the ocean it's like Boosh. it looks like a surfing contest from hawaii and you're like you're not going anywhere near that walked out to the end of the walkway to where you get on the beach and there's just sea foam everywhere. Everything's all muddy and they wanted to build sandcastles. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're going home. But I hope your Mother's Day was great. We had a lot of fun. There is, a, like I say, a lot going on. We've got abortion updates. Over the weekend, there were protests at the Supreme Court justices' houses because the left has no bounds. There is no boundary between politics and decency. They're not concerned about decency. They're not concerned about anything except themselves. And so they went to private houses because they do chanted, screamed, drum-circled, everything that they do everywhere. The one thing they didn't do was throw Molotov cocktails, although there was Molotov cocktail throwing going on. They, uh, somebody chucked a Molotov cocktail through a uh, non-profit that is uh, pro-life. And on the wall, they said, if abortion isn't, they painted, if abortion isn't safe, then you're not safe. 
because that's who these leftists are. That's what they do. That's how they live. You've got members of the media defending, going to Supreme Court justices' houses and disrupting the neighborhood, terrorizing the neighborhood because, well, women are scared. Yeah, it's because you're scaring women. That's the thing. That's the difference. That's the problem. That's what's wrong with you people. I want you to listen to uh, CNN's Laura Jarrett. Laura Jarrett is the daughter of Valerie Jarrett. Valerie Jarrett is the brains behind Barack Obama. But they have this revolving door with left-wingers in the media. It is, uh, Valerie Jarrett is her, her mother, and CNN hired her. Why? Because, well, she's Barack Obama's brain. You get access to Barack Obama. She's been hired, she was hired there when she was, I don't know, when Barack Obama was president. So now she's sitting there on a panel, because she's a journalist, you see. This is where the media goes wildly wrong. She's a journalist, or supposed to be a journalist. But she is giving her opinion. She's on another show being interviewed to give her opinion. Why? That's not what journalists are supposed to do. Yet that's what the journalists over at CNN do. That's what, that's what all of them do, actually. Well, you should never watch... There's nothing more irrelevant and a bigger waste of time than watching a host of a cable news program interview another host of a cable news program. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> because uh, it's easy. It's lazy. It's cross-promotion. And it's all about ratings. Well, Valerie Jarrett's kid, Laura, thinks it's absolutely cool. It's perfectly fine to protest outside of Supreme Court justices. Now, if the homes, if you protested outside of where Valerie Jarrett lives, I guarantee you that Laura Jarrett would be outraged. If you went over to Ginger Goebbels' house in Virginia, Jen Psaki, and started protesting, I guarantee you they would have a different attitude for it. The Secret Service would get involved and say, this is inappropriate. If you went to, because you can't get anywhere near, I mean, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you in any of Joe Biden's mansions, you can't get anywhere near. You can't get anywhere near Kamala Harris. But some of the cabinet officials, you get near their house, where Pete and Chasten Buttigieg, or whatever the hell his name is, where they live, you could probably stand outside and scream. It's about disrupting the neighborhood more than it is getting a point across to anybody because you're not, no chant has ever changed a politician's mind. It's about annoying the neighborhood so that they get mad at the person they, that's what you think. It ends up that they get mad at the protesters, but that's beside the point. The objective is to disrupt the lives and scare the children and scare the family. That's why they went to Brett Kavanaugh's house. That's why they went to Sam Alito's house. They're planning on going back to Sam Alito's house today. That's why they went to Chief Justice Roberts' house, even though Roberts wasn't signed on to that opinion. The left doesn't care. They're nominated by Republicans. That's what Roberts doesn't seem to understand is he wants to sort of split the baby down the middle. He seems to be a very political animal. And there are a lot of so-called Republicans, alleged conservatives, who desperately want to find a middle ground with the left, thinking that they'll like me. They'll like me. 
They're never going to like you. They don't like you. You exist wrong. Bill Crystal, the weebly-shaped uh, loser who was a rabid anti-Trumper who brought us Evan McMullen. Remember in 2016 when Bill Crystal was so outraged that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee that he he's like, I'll get a new nominee. I'll start a new party. And he ended up with Evan McMullen, a guy who owes like people $300,000 from his campaign. And now he's running for Senate in, in uh, Utah without having paid his previous campaign debts because why would he? Bill Crystal over the weekend was tweeting out, "Hey man, uh, protest all you want, but you shouldn't. You should have some common decency and not go to people's houses to protest." And it's like you you built this beast, all right? You fed this beast. You wanted this beast, and all the responses were from liberals as he's trying to suck up to like, "No, no, we're right there with you," because he's suddenly now pro-choice on abortion after a lifetime of being pro-life. But now that his sugar daddy's from the left. It's different. And all these lefties were responding to his tweet calling for civility, telling, well, they weren't being very civil. Not many of them are um, fit to be read on a family-friendly show. Now, all of them were hilarious because Bill Crystal deserves every last bit of the venom that he's inspired. But it was just kind of funny that his new team doesn't like him either. They don't care. You're either 100% with them or you're their 100% enemy. It doesn't matter. It's not issue by issue. It's like agree to disagree. That doesn't exist on the left. It is you're against me. You're a monster. So the, as the left justifies, excuses, ignores the protesting at people's houses, keep that in mind that if you start returning the favor, if you start yelling at cabinet members in uh, restaurants or things like that, like the left does, then suddenly you will face the venom. These rules are for their use only. They do not apply to them. Here is CNN's Laura Jarrett defending protests outside of Supreme Court justices' homes. And, and this is a question about civility. The frustration people feel is personal. But where's the line? Obviously, what we see, the, the apparent arson at, a, um, at, at an anti-abortion nonprofit in Wisconsin is over the line. Violence is always over the line. But there are real questions and conversations today about protests outside Supreme Court justices' houses particularly Justice Kavanaugh. Um, where do you think that line is? I think for a lot of people, the, a conversation about civility feels um, like it misses the mark mm. when constitutional rights that you believe that you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned. The justices have security. So far, all of the protests have seemed overwhelmingly nonviolent. Uh, there are plenty of protests that happen every single day in this country, around the country, at abortion clinics, blocking women from getting into clinics. And we don't cover those as if there's four mm -hmm. alarm fires. And so, yes, they're going to be protests in front of Kavanaugh's house because people are angry. Um, and as long as they stay nonviolent, I think for most uh, for most of the people who are watching it, you can understand wh where they're coming from. Even if you may think politically it's not the right thing, you can understand sort of where, where that animated feeling is coming from. <laughs> She's a journalist, ladies and gentlemen. You can understand where the animated feeling, you can understand where the anger and the fear is coming from because, God forbid, you not be able to have an abortion or uh, you know have to make up your mind inside of four months whether or not to have an abortion or whatever a state may, may decide. Uh, that's not the job of a so-called journalist there, Laura Jarrett, but when your mom is an activist and you're an activist with a press pass, I think I think Valerie Jarrett was supposedly some kind of journalist, too, before she joined Barack Obama's campaign. It's amazing how these people work. But, you know, it's not illegal. It's not this. Well, 
Let me read you something from the United States Criminal Code, all right? US, 18 U.S.C. 1507. Whoever, with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States, or in or near a building of residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device, or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. Nothing in this section shall interfere with or prevent the exercise of any court of the United States of its power to punish for contempt. Meaning it actually, you know, it's perfectly legal to go out. No, it's not. It is not. The express purpose of these protests is to intimidate these Supreme Court justices in the hopes of getting them to change what they perceive as their vote in a draft opinion. That is a direct violation of 18 U.S.C. 1507. These protests took place in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Where were the federal authorities? That's just over the line in Washington, D.C., from Washington, D.C. Where are the federal authorities? Where are the local authorities? And where are the state authorities? Where is Governor Larry Hogan on this one? He has a duty to enforce the law, does he not? Does he care? Is he aware of his duty to enforce the law? I don't know. And still, speaking of people who want to suck up to the left, there's Larry Hogan. That's a whole nother can of worms. Before we get to the uh, <clears throat> Larry Hogan and the, the Baltimore sun blasting him as he tries to suck up to the left, and it's not working. They don't, they're never going to like you, dude. You're either on their team or you're not on their team. It's not, oh, well, he's good for a Republican. Might get you invited to some cocktail parties as long as you're in power, but it's not going to get you many support, much support. But I want to take a trip down memory lane because this weekend did see a bunch of protests. I could play you the audio of the morons chanting, it will not make me illegal, and whatever, that they're chanting and screaming outside of various Supreme Court justice houses as they went from one to the other to the other because... Can you imagine having nothing better to do on a Saturday afternoon? And then all the lefties who went to the churches out in San Francisco. Yeah, it's funny. They, they tried to protest at a Catholic church there. Nobody goes. There aren't very many Catholics in San Francisco going to service. So they're they're in a giant church that probably used to get a lot of people that now is, you know, modern San Francisco. And these women come marching in with the handmaid's tail thing on going, oh, we're going to be just uh, birth and factories, baby factories. Like, shut up. But still, they uh, they were all over the country trying to disrupt church services some places they were stopped outside, either by parishioners or by police, which is good. Churches are open to the public. They're saying, oh, it's open to the public. It's private property. Get the hell out of here. You have no intention of uh, participating in the events inside. You want to disrupt them. Go away. And they just, they're so nasty. There's footage out there. I'm not sure if I retweeted this or not, but you can find it. It's out there of these nasty leftists just going after police, 
Police are trying to stop them. They're going inside. They want to throw coat hangers all over the place. You think, do these lefties work at a dry cleaner or something? Where do they get all these these uh, clothes hangers readily available, these wire hangers? And they're all the same. It's like they buy them in bulk. Like there's some big warehouse. They have the big signs that the warehouse is filled with uh, their signs. Going, Hell no, we won't go. Our body, our cho- Okay, we'll take the our body, our choice. What are you protesting today? Um... I think we're thinking about unionizing. So if we could get that, uh, some pro-union signs over there and give us some bricks. You got any rocks that are nice fit in good, good Molotov cocktail bottles? It's like the ones they have a Costco for left wing mutant mobs because they come up with this stuff at a moment's notice. It's amazing how they do this. And, you know, it's funny because I've worked on some campaigns before and the lefties Every once in a while, it seems to have happened less lately, but if the lefty signs for whoever the Democrat is are not printed in a union shop, if they do not have the little label down at the bottom saying proudly printed in a union shop by local whatever, whatever of the whatever union, boy, howdy, do the unions get mad. So they have to contract with, I think most of these union printing shops only stay in business because the Democrat mob is constantly buying new and signs. Like we protested in the rain last week. Our um, no blood for oil signs are wet and sock. We need new blood for oil signs. No blood for oil signs. We also need some signs that say, uh, I stand with Ukraine and let's go to war with Russia as long as it's not for oil. Can you make those signs? Like, I don't I don't want to go to war for anything that would be helpful to the United States or the American people. But uh, I'm ready to go to war if a Democratic president decides to lead us there. I don't know how they sleep at night. But anyway, Ginger Goebbels, back to Ginger Goebbels and the protests at the House. We got Ginger Goebbels from last week, just last week, just last. It seems like only four days ago. When Ginger Goebbels was asked by Peter Ducey about the prospect of people protesting outside the houses, the private residences of Supreme Court justices. Now, see if you think you hear something that condemns the concept here, because I don't think you will. How about yesterday? So just about moving forward, these activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants? to help your side make their point. Look, I think the president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear, uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country about what they saw in that leaked document. Uh, We obviously want people's privacy to be respected. We want people to protest peacefully if they want to to protest. That is certainly what the president's view would be. So he doesn't care if they're protesting outside the Supreme Court or outside someone's private residence. I I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. I want it, we we want it, of course, to be peaceful. And certainly the president would want people's uh, privacy to be respected. But I think we shouldn't lose the point here. The reason people are protesting is because women across the country are worried about their fundamental rights that have been law for 50 years, their rights to make choices about their own bodies and their own health care are at risk. That's why people are protesting. They're unhappy. They're scared. They're unhappy. They're scared. Even Yeah, because you've been trying to scare them. See, that's how it works. <laughs> you jump out behind a bush uh, at somebody and yell, boo. You can't go, oh, the poor deers are scared when you're the one who just did that to them. Now, that was Thursday. 
no concern about people going to private homes no big deal no big shake what's the problem i don't see what quit your grousing people have the right and people are scared blah 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 now that the footage has emerged thank god for conservative media because liberal media didn't bother to cover it or barely bothered to cover it they got the footage and put it out there on social media now comes Ginger Goebbels Monday morning, 9 a.m., long after the planned protests went off, as planned, coming in and saying, quote, in a tweet, quote, POTUS strongly believes in the constitutional right to protest, but that should never include violence, because there was that Molotov cocktail thrown in there, threats, Lots of threats towards the justices on social media, which were deemed not to be violations of their terms of service, weirdly, or vandalism. Lord knows there was a lot of vandalism. Judges perform an incredible function in our society, and they must be able to do their jobs without concern for their personal safety. Judge Alito has been moved with his family to an undisclosed location because of threats from the angry mob. This all could have been headed off at the pass had the President of the United States, you know, had a stronger statement than what you heard Ginger Goebbels say there. Oh, we believe in the right to protest. Well, of course, we don't want anybody set on fire, but, you know, short of being set on fire is totally cool. It's like they live in a different world. Joe Biden has come out with a statement. He is uh, strongly in favor of closing the barn doors now that all the horses have left. Okay, congratulations. What are you going to do about the horses? Well, no, it doesn't matter. Now, I promise you, even though I've read to you the relevant part of the United States Code showing that these protests are illegal, that this administration will do absolutely nothing to prevent them in the future to enforce that law. They don't enforce, they don't enforce you know, immigration law. They don't enforce most anybody on the left really doesn't enforce these laws. It's ridiculous what goes on out there. So the guy who stabbed has tried to stab Dave Chappelle runs up on stage with a knife. The uh, prosecutor out there decided not to charge him with a felony. Attempted murder is no longer a real crime in Los Angeles. You imagine that? That's the modern Democratic Party. We must understand his rage. Dave Chappelle made jokes at the expense of trans people. So if somebody's got to get stabbed over that or even close to coming stabbed, that's what you get. You can't joke about those things. Meanwhile, here in Maryland, you've got the delusional Governor Larry Hogan, who will leave office with a satchel full of political capital. Boy, howdy, is he going to have a lot of political capital that he never used. He is the nation's most popular governor who never did anything with it. You have to sit there and you go, what the hell is he popular for? Democrats probably look at him and go, he's popular because he didn't do anything. Certainly didn't do anything that Republicans like. And, and Republicans look at him and said, well, at least he didn't make things more liberal. Theoretically, even though... The, legis the legislature overrode him, and I blame every one of his veto overrides. He gets he tries to take credit. Well, I fought that. I vetoed this, that, and the other thing. And they overrode it. And I blame him for each and every one of those veto overrides because he sat on his hands, by and large, 
during the elections in this state during his terms as governor, his two terms as governor. He did not fight nearly hard enough to elect more Republicans. He could have, if he, it would be a very different state, in a very different state of affairs, if he was never going to get a majority in the uh, the legislature there in Annapolis. But he could have gotten a veto-proof minority, right? He could have really worked hard and flipped a couple of seats and made sure that all of his vetoes wouldn't be easily overridden if Democrats wanted to. Instead, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't really want to campaign. He was like a Republican who was embarrassed of Republicans. He was like a Republican who was embarrassed of conservatives while claiming that he's a conservative. And for that reason alone, I think his administration will go down as a failure because not because of what he did. He didn't do anything particularly egregious that I can think of off the top of my head. It's that he didn't really do anything. When presented with the opportunity to take political chances, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And he's trying to have it both ways on the abortion issue. He really is. And he's not. He doesn't seem to realize, even after eight years, seven years as governor, that he never gets, you never get the benefit of the doubt from the left-wing media, from the left-wing mob. If you're not 100% with them, you're their 100% enemy. So while he's trying to say, oh, he's very pro-life, but uh, Maryland is going to just be no big deal. There's no point in doing it. It would be politically advantageous to, to be that way. That's fine. But you don't get credit for being pro-life if you are just kind of sitting there going, eh, what are you going to do? You don't have to go to the streets. You don't have to do But lip service could be paid. Something could be done. Now there comes, you know, all the sucking up. He's doing one little thing. He's withholding a little bit of funds to try and get some kind of street cred as he leaves office and gears up to run for president in 2020. I can't say it without laughing. He uh, gears up to run for president in 2024. He's trying to get some kind of street cred by literally doing the bare minimum humanly possible when it comes to the issue of, of abortion. And the Baltimore Sun editorial board smashes him. They go after him. They go after him hard. Headline, Maryland's Governor Hogan stands against women's reproductive rights. It's from the editorial board. It's a really poorly written and stupidly rational, rationalized piece here, but that's what you get from the Baltimore Sun when you have the quality of writing that they do. For years, Maryland's two-term Republican governor has danced around the topic of abortion in an effort to offend neither his party's culture warriors nor the overwhelming majority of voters in this state who support a woman's right to choose. Oh, don't you love that? It's one side is a bunch of right wing nut job culture warriors and the other just, you know, the majority. Yeah, well, the majority uh, supported Hitler. Is that OK? Hmm, you can find a poll. that What? He was against abortion. He would readily admit, but was not interested in changing Maryland's abortion laws. And that sort of inoffensive pseudo neutrality sufficed, helping him twice win statewide election. But this week. The ground shifted through two events, the leak of a draft U.S. Supreme Court opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade and the long-standing rights of women to terminate unwanted pregnancy without undue government 
restrictions and Governor Hogan's decision to withhold $3.5 million that the Maryland General Assembly intended to have spent this year to train an expanded list of abortion providers. Now, my question would be, why in the hell is the state spending money to train abortion providers? Are we spending money to train neurosurgeons? Are we spending money to train general practitioners? Are we spending money to train other sorts of medical professionals or people who do rhinoplasty? Rhinoplasty, that's just as elective as abortion. Do we train people to do nose jobs? Why is the government putting three and a half? I'm not saying Hogan is wrong here. I think Hogan is right here. I think he's now trying to, he's really only doing this to try and get his uh, bona fides up in preparation to run for the Republican nomination in 2024. They continue, make no mistake, Mr. Hogan's choice to deny funding for abortion training, as provided under the Abortion Care Access Act, the legislation twice approved this year by the Maryland General Assembly, the second as an override of the governor's veto, was not some attempt to protect women's health by limiting who can perform abortions, as his spokesperson has claimed. Quite the opposite. At least 14 states allow health professionals other than doctors, such as nurse practitioners, midwives, and physicians' assistants to provide abortion care, as long as has long been recommended by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Oh, a bunch of lefties say that more people should be able to perform abortions. Well, this is the problem. The government regulates every aspect of health care. Maybe they shouldn't be looking to the government to get involved in these things. Maybe the government, if the private sector demanded this, put it to a referendum. Or pay for it yourselves. Who cares? You're going to be making money off of this. Pay for it yourselves. If these midwives and nurse practitioners want to perform abortions, they can take a class. They can take a class and get certified. Why does the state have to pay for it? Because that's what the left does. That's what the left wants. They want government to take over everything. They believe that your rights are granted by government. So on and so forth. If a state decides that they believe that it is too risky to just train people in a strip mall on a Saturday afternoon to perform a medical procedure, then so be it. The governor believes that. He should make the case and seem to be making too loud of a case. He seems to just want the credit and kind of run away. But it is, um, it's funny that Larry Hogan seems to think that all of his neutrality and all of his sitting back and being nice and all of his sort of sucking up to the left was going to let him skate. It's never going to let him skate. He's got an R after his name, period. End of story. As long as he has that R after his name. Look at Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is a hero. Mitt Romney is a maverick. As long as Mitt Romney is going against the Republican Party, they love Mitt Romney. The second Mitt Romney votes in any way, shape, or form that goes against the liberal agenda, Mitt Romney is history's greatest monster. And he can't seem to figure out why. That's why. There's a good enough reason. That's just why. There is no rationale beyond that. You want to hear a, a little bit of ridiculousness in the media world and the reporting on this fire in Wisconsin. A Molotov cocktail was thrown. A fire was started by left-wingers. The Associated Press 
describes it this way. Vandal struck an anti-abortion group off. Anti-abortion, not a pro-life, anti-abortion. Vandals struck an anti-abortion group office where a fire broke out and a Molotov cocktail was found, authorities said Sunday. Oh, just unrelated. Yeah. They threw a bottle of glass bottle of uh, gasoline into the building after having stuffed a tube sock into it and, uh, you know, lit it on fire. But uh, unrelated to that. Maybe. We don't really know what caused the fire. That Molotov cocktail may have had something to do with that. Do you love that, that passive voice? Well, fire broke out and Molotov cocktail was found. The remnants, I assume, of a Molotov cocktail were found. And if I had to guess, I would guess that those remnants of a Molotov cocktail were found near the splatter-shaped burn marks in the office where they threw it. Just guessing, just guessing again. I'm, I'm a guesser. You gotta love this stuff. <laughs> How these people can live with themselves is um, is amazing to me. And it's not, you know, this is uh, the Associated Press, so it is posted on the U.S. News and World Report website. It is the official version on the ABC News website. See, this is not worthy of these organizations assigning somebody to write it up themselves they just go we'll take the associated press copy abc take the associated press copy they tried to burn down a building they graffitied on it if abortion isn't safe you're not safe and go, oh geez we just don't know what that that could mean any number of things who knows so we're just going to leave that there not even send a reporter of their own, not even have a reporter of their own write it. You don't even have to send somebody to Madison, Wisconsin to cover this story. You, I've done the news aggregation bit. You just go, all right, well, find the local story, find the national story, maybe reach out to somebody for comment via email, but write it up, just blurb it and link to the original stories. And that way it looks like we at least did the minimal number, minimal amount of work. But when it comes to things that don't help the liberal agenda, no, 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 no. Just slap up the AP copy and ignore it. Maybe, who knows, given the the state of journalism today, maybe no reporter who works at ABC News would do it. I'm not writing that up. That makes the uh, pro-abortion crowd look bad. I'm not going to write that up. Maybe that's how it works. God knows these lefties have had veto power over... Just about everything else that happens in the newsroom. Why not this? I'm not going to do that. Makes them look bad. My team. My team. I'm not interested in making my team look bad. And so they just slap. Now, what they do when they slap up the AP story is when somebody does say, you know, there was a fire bombing in uh, Wisconsin the same weekend that they're protesting outside Supreme Court justices' houses. And the media didn't even, you didn't even really cover it. And ABC News could say, we had a story on it. Yeah, you, you ran the Associated Press story where they talked about a fire breaking out and Molotov cocktails. Totally separate things. One has nothing to do with the other. And they could sit there and pat themselves on the back and say, we, we covered that. We don't have to cover it again. 
if arrests are made, if arrests are made, you don't have to cover that. If it turns out that it is some, you know, left-wing extremist, it doesn't matter. We don't have to do that. We don't need to do these sorts of things. We've covered that story. I don't see what the problem is. You see how perverse this stuff is and how this stuff works. It really is amazing how this stuff works. It's really disturbing how this stuff works because it's not honest. It is designed to manipulate. And you sit there and you go, well, these are journalists. Don't these journalists care? No, they don't. No, they do not. This story from The Right Scoop. Michael E. Bivens, a 34-year-old from Portland, has been arrested on over a dozen felony counts for his activities as an Antifa terrorist. You know, the thing CNN and MSNBC say isn't real? The insane left echoed the media try to claim that these were some sort of right-wing disruptors causing trouble in Portland, and who are the real bad guys, not innocent Antifa, who are the same morally as World War II troops fighting Nazis, according to them, when Jim Acosta tweeted that picture of the D-Day invasion, said, they're the original Antifa. What's amazing, though, is the guy who got arrested for these attacks out in Portland is a former journalist, and I don't know how former, freelance journalist, what have you. It's kind of funny, this Bivens guy, one-time freelance journalist, one-time branking, uh, this is Andy No. Portland reporter Mike Bivens has been arrested over vandalism attacks on synagogues and an attempted arson at a mosque. He's been charged with multiple felonies. Huh, what do you know about that? What do you know about another form? Now, if you remember correctly, back at the beginning of the Trump administration, this was a big scandal until they caught the people who were doing it. At the beginning of the Trump administration, what was going on? There was these uh, attacks and threats being, they weren't attacks, they were threats being called in to synagogues across the country. Remember this? Dozens of synagogues were receiving bomb threats. They were receiving all these violent calls, all horrified. And what was the media line then? Donald Trump, his election. This was even before he took office. The election of Donald Trump. Donald Trump emboldened these people, ladies and gentlemen. That's why these attacks were, this is why these threats were being called in. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. It was the mantra in the media. There was a drumbeat from the press every day saying, "Why won't? when will he condemn it? When will he condemn it? He hasn't condemned it enough. He condemned it. He hasn't condemned it sternly enough. Is he not condemning it sternly enough? Because he knows it's his supporters inspired by his own rhetoric that is causing all of this. This is the kind of garbage that they spewed. They were very, very concerned about these attacks on these synagogues, these calls, these threats of violence on these synagogues. Then an arrest was made. Two arrests were made, actually. One was a teenager making prank calls from Israel. Didn't really fit the mold. But the other one was a guy who was a reporter in St. Louis. Remember that? That was the story for about 20 seconds when they said, oh, an arrest has been made in the uh, synagogue attack. And then they said, oh, wait a second. 
It's a former journalist. And they stopped covering it. It's amazing how that works. It's amazing how that worked. We don't know. Did you hear about how it happened? Did you hear about how it went down? What happened to that? No, you didn't. Did you? Because it doesn't matter. You won't hear about this story either. You won't hear about how these things went down, how this happened, what kind of justice he might face. Why? Because he won't face any justice. He won't face any justice. Because why would he? He's on the right team. He's on the right team. Here's a bit of trivia for you. What was the name of that guy in St. Louis who was arrested? Hmm? Juan Thompson. Bet you didn't know that because you probably never heard it. It's not your fault. The media didn't bother to report it. New York Times reported on it once. Ex-reporter charged with making bomb threats against Jewish sites. A former reporter for a news website was charged on Friday with making more than half a dozen bomb threats against Jewish community center schools and a Jewish history museum, federal authorities said. The man, Juan Thompson, 31, of St. Louis, made some of the threats using his own name and others... Use your own name. How dumb do you have to be? Goes on from there. What happened to that story? Where is that story? Where is that man? I believe he cut a plea deal, didn't do any time. Because why? Because why would you? Because why would you? That's not how it works. That's not how liberalism works. They don't hold people to, they don't hold their own side to account. You watch all of this stuff and you shake your head and you go, what the hell is going on? There is no accountability on the left at all under any auspices. There's no way, shape or form. A teacher was, uh, well, only when absolutely forced does anybody come close to holding anybody to account. I'm going to play you this audio. This is from a fourth grade teacher. There's a fourth grade teacher who has since been suspended. She's bragging here. She's gay. Okay, who cares? She's gay. Couldn't care less. She's bragging that, oh, now uh, her f- the kids that she had last year are coming back to her class now, saying they're gay too because she's gay. Which makes sense. If you like your teacher, you're going to emulate them. Some people will. It's just proof that you're dealing with you know children who are impressionable. They have no idea what gay is. They have no idea what straight is. They have no freaking clue what any of this stuff means. But she is proudly encouraging this stuff. She ended up getting suspended. I'll tell you about that in a second. But listen to this. This is what goes on in your schools. My kids from last year are now in fifth grade and they come visit me almost every day after school. And a lot of them are queer because I am queer. And so and they figured it out. And so I've become their safe space. And today they found my guess who. And they started playing guess who, but they didn't play it the normal way. How did they play it? They used things like... This person looks like a lesbian baddie who's going to come over and make you dinner. Well, which one of these characters is going to be is a lesbian baddie that's going to come over and make you dinner? Oh, Olivia is? Oh, great. Um, which character just looks gay? Well, meet Mike. Um, these kids, I'm so happy that they are figuring out who they are and that they're happy with who they are and that they found a safe place. But man, 
never imagined being in fifth grade saying these things out loud, even though I know they're all, all okay. I grew up super religious where nothing was okay. And so seeing this happen, I'm like, ah! But I'm almost like, yay! But ah! <sighs> she is super proud of her... Now, she's gay. Who cares that she's gay? That she's gay should never be an issue for her kids. That she's straight should never be an issue for her kids. It's amazing to me that any... I didn't know anything about my teachers. I just didn't. But she teaches at a, rena, a place called Renaissance Academy. And she has um, been suspended. Now, it's rena, not Renaissance Academy, you know. Uh, she has been suspended. Now, the school issued the following statement. This is all from Libs of TikTok, which this teacher posted this video herself. She posted this video herself, sitting there going, oh, I did, oh they did this and this. I'm making them gay. I'm loving it. And they're gay because I'm gay. And the left will go, this is a violent attack on a teacher. You know, she, she posted it herself. She, if anybody did any damage, it's her bragging about it. Like, if you can't not be your sexuality for, you know, your work day, you got a problem. The statement, late Friday afternoon, May 6, 2022, we became aware of a concerning video posted to social media by one of our teachers. In the video, the teacher describes several inappropriate conversations with former students. The employee has been placed on administrative leave pending a thorough investigation. Our teachers are expected to comport themselves with the highest degree of professionalism. Behavior that is unprofessional, in violation of state code, or that violates the trust placed in us by the families of Renaissance Academy will not be tolerated, end quote. Amen. Amen. You know, this is what goes on, and I'm writing about this right now for, for my column for tomorrow. They're not your kids. They're not your kids. And you act like they're your kids, like somehow you have a say over how they are raised. No, you are supposed to teach them. That is what you have the say over, teaching them. You do not have a say over how they are raised. You do not have a say over how they're set up, their belief system at all in any way, shape or form, period, end of story. But these leftists, they don't care. They view everybody's a ward of the state. This chick doesn't seem to have any kids. And it's always the childless. Have you noticed that? It's always the child. Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation for Teachers, talks about our children, our children, our ch She doesn't have any kids. Not because she's a lesbian. She could have had kids. But she doesn't have any kids. Her job isn't really to care for kids or care about kids. Her job is to indoctrinate children her job is to protect union officials her job is to protect teachers it's always the childless i don't want to say that you have to have a requirement that you have to have kids to be a teacher or what have you i just want a requirement that you recognize that you're as a teacher does not give you domain over those children they are not your children you want to start paying child support we can talk but up until then no do your job and nothing else there are other people called parents who have the rest of it. I want to shift gears since we talk about kids and we talk about the uh, teachers who love to indoctrinate them. They don't love them. You don't, you don't want to change somebody you love. You don't want to dramatically 
drastically change somebody you love, just like they don't love this country. You know, Barack Obama fundamentally transformed the United States of America. Well, why? You hate the country then, right? You don't go, God, I love this thing. I just want to fundamentally transform it. No, you don't do that. Uh, they are fundamentally transforming this country, though. Joe Biden is for the worse. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I've now made a point of checking this out when I go to grocery stores, and I've found it to be alarmingly true. And we're, my wife and I are, are very lucky in that we, when we had our kids, we had two, first of all. When the pandemic hit and the lockdowns were all happening and everything. They had each other to play with, or we'd have been driven nuts playing with the kids all the time, playing with the kid all the time. They had each other to play with, and they were too young to have been in school yet. So they didn't really know what they were missing. We were able to have play dates and everything like that. Not enough, but, you know, you can never have too many of those. But it was enough. Now we're lucky that they're older because our idiot president and the screwing up of the supply chain is becoming a, it's going from a disgrace to a disaster. It's a disgrace that in the United States of America in 2022, you can't get a car. You can't get a, a refrigerator. You can't get things very easily because, not because they're not being made, but because they can't get into the United States because we've got a moron in charge of the presidency and a bigger moron in charge of our transportation system. And it's all fun and games. You go, well, this thing I ordered from China took five weeks when it should have only taken two weeks. That's an inconvenience. Now we're getting into the point where it's, it's life and death. And this isn't getting enough attention. This should be a massive story. Politico. The headline is, I don't know how my son will survive colon, inside the dangerous shortage of specialty formulas. Yeah. Yeah. Baby formula shortage. If you go to a grocery store this week and you're not, you don't have kids, you don't have infants or toddlers or anything, just still saunter down the baby food aisle and take a look at what's going on. See what's happening down there. Maybe they they have a fresh supply. Maybe they have, a, if they've just restocked and you have a social media account and you don't need it or you don't know anybody who needs it, maybe take a picture and send it out on social media and say, hey, if you're in the business for a baby formula, you can come here to this grocery store and you can get some for now, for now. And make sure you note the time because it's tough to find. Been to Targets, haven't seen it. Grocery stores, haven't seen it. Barren shelves, sometimes there's very sparse. It depends on what you need. But some kids have very specific needs. And it's a problem. Politico reports an infant formula plant shutdown triggered by two infant deaths has created a new nightmare for some parents. There's now a dangerous shortage of specialized formulas that are the only thing keeping many children and adults alive. Abbott Nutrition Plants in Sturgis, Michigan, 
was not just one of the biggest suppliers of infant formula nationally, but it's also the only major supplier of several lesser-known specialty formulas that are a lifeline for thousands of people with rare medical conditions, including uh, metabolic, allergic, and gastrointestinal disorders that can make eating regular foods impossible or even dangerous. The situation has not only rattled parents and medical professionals, but has raised questions about whether the federal government should do more to ensure critical life-sustaining supply chains don't break down. Joe Biden is a big believer in flexing of the muscle of the Defense Production Act, right? Remember that? Oh, we're going to start the Defense Production Act to get more tests, to get more this, to get more that. Okay, great. Get involved in this. I realize that it's not Ukraine. I realize that it's maybe not the top shelf issue specialty formula for people with digestive issues, but it's just as important or just in general, the lack of baby formula in the country. I didn't know this, but when uh, you have a kid, you like look into this stuff. Most of the baby formula, most of the infant formula is made overseas. China, believe it or not. Whatever happened to... Remember this mantra from when the pandemic started? We need to bring back the supply chain into this country for everything. We need to insource all of this. We need to get back. It was always, usually in the guise of medical. We can't rely on China to produce our pills, our medicine. And we can't. But we still are. No politician of either party has made any serious moves to facilitate this. What it would take would be a massive overhaul of the tax code, particularly regarding businesses that are in the pharmaceutical industry. The Democrats can't stop demonizing them long enough to recognize that they're making life-saving drugs. We should probably you know, be a little bit appreciative of that. And we want to bring that into this country so that when China decides to invade Taiwan, which they will, and they look at the United States aiding Taiwan and making their conquest of Taiwan more difficult. They decide to shut off the spigot for uh, life-saving and life-improving medicines. That we don't have to worry about that. It's probably already too late, to be honest with you. They will move on Taiwan relatively soon compared to how long it would take to insource the manufacturer of prescription medicine. But you could start that process. You could start that process now instead of funding windmills and solar panels in an attempt to make AOC seem special and like she's relevant. Maybe you should do something that would actually benefit humanity, that would actually benefit American citizens and start insourcing. Take those tax credits and all those hundreds of billions of dollars you want to spend. And instead of that, take them and put them in the form of tax credits to pharmaceutical companies or really any company that can prove they can do it, that will start building the manufacturing plants here in the United States. Get to that point. Because you can't just open a factory. You can open a factory to make baby formula. The ingredients are pretty straightforward. And to manufacture, it has to be sterile, but it's, it's pretty straightforward. Prescription, you can't just mix up a big vat of 
the ingredients of whatever heart medication somebody's on and just drop it into each little capsule or thing like that. You have to make sure that each individual capsule has the exact amount of active ingredient and the uh, rest are inert ingredients so that it works and it works as prescribed. If it doesn't have enough in there, it doesn't work. If it has too much in there, it could cause other problems. So you want to, you have, you can't want to, you have to make sure that it has the exact amount in there. It's not like mixing up pancake batter. That takes time. That takes a lot of time and it's very expensive. So the companies, I doubt China, even if a U.S. company owns a factory over in China, which I'm not sure if they do, but even if they do, I don't think China would let them uproot the machinery and bring it over to the United States. I think they'd say, no, you're free to go, but the machines stay. So that means they'd have to build new machines. They'd have to remanufacture, rebuild, recreate the entire factory. That's just the way the world works. The longer the federal government has a laissez-faire attitude toward this because people stopped paying attention, the longer it will be before anything actually gets done. Will we ever move to being... We talk about energy independence. We know how to be energy independent. We were just energy independent until Joe Biden came along and wrecked it. Do we know how to be medically independent? I don't know that we do. I don't think that we do. I don't know that we've ever been medically independent. And if we have, it's been a long time coming. A lot of medical advances since the last time we were medically dependent. It would be nice if we could do that. It would be nice if the president of the United States would get involved in this baby formula shortage. Quote, if this doesn't get fixed soon, I don't know how my son will survive, said Phoebe Carter, whose five-year-old son, John, a nature lover and paleontologist in training, has a severe form of, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce that, I'm not even going to, a sangophilic esophagitis or something, a rare digestive and immune system disease driven by a dysfunctional immune response to food antigens. I just, quote, I just can't stress that enough. Carter has been urging parents and caregivers to contact members of Congress to put pressure on the government to fix the dwindling supply by facilitating production at another facility. Carter and her sister set up a website to, give care, to get caregivers organized last week and has already gotten over 4,000 visits. Quote, if, God forbid, a family member of President Joe Biden or Jeff Bezos or some inf someone influential had one of these diseases, this crisis wouldn't have made it to day two, Carter said, because no one understands this issue and knows it's happening. There's no hope for us. That's how it feels. It's disturbing disgusting and where is the president of the united states these people are contacting the administration where is it joe biden's in delaware vacationing joe biden is sleeping joe biden is doing whatever it is the abbott nutrition plant in sturgis michigan has been essentially shut down since mid-february after fda inspectors launched an investigation of the facility in response to complaints that four infants who had consumed formula made there had been hospitalized with Chronobacter scatazi, I don't even know, a rare bacterial infection that is particularly deadly for younger babies. Two of the infants died. The FDA has said it found serious food safety violations at the plant, as well as five different strains of Chronobacter, 
though none of the strains match the two illnesses for which the federal officials have genetic fingerprints of the bacteria. Clean the factory and get it back opened. But if you expect a government bureaucrat to have compassion for you, to care about your situation, to give a damn, to look at things and go, well, we're hurting people, we probably shouldn't do this. That's never going to happen. Not a single bureaucrat gives a damn about your existence. This is why you don't turn over your health care to them. This is why you don't turn over anything to them. They're a bureaucrat in a windowless office in a Soviet-looking building in Washington, D.C. And if you don't think so, take a look at any department that was started in 1960 or later. Any building built in Washington, D.C. is very Soviet. It's awful, ugly-looking. Do you think the people in there give a damn? Do you think the people in there are sitting there worried about how your family is being impacted by their decisions? I promise you, I promise you, they don't give a damn. I promise you they don't care, and they never will. That's why you don't make your life dependent upon these people. They could have cleared this up already. They could have the Biden administration. If the president of the United States shakes a tree, things get done. If he actually shakes the tree, not just comes out, says something, and then runs away. Joe Biden hasn't even done that because he doesn't give a damn. We do have some polling news on Joe Biden and the idea of student loan forgiveness. This is from Tom Bevan, Real Clear Politics. Student loan debt forgiveness polls fairly well. For $10,000 in forgiveness, there's 61% support, strongly or somewhat support, 30% oppose. Republicans, um, uh, the groups who f- oppose it the most, 65%. And then for $50,000 in forgiveness, there's 53% of the public somewhat or strongly support, 38% oppose. Now, this is bizarre. It doesn't make rational sense if you really think about it, but most of these people don't really think about it. The dollar amount shouldn't matter. It's the concept that matters. Once you accept the concept, you've forgiven everything. There's no way that they will uh, stop with that. Just like the concept of forbearance, the concept of postponing the student loan repayment is, it's done, right? The, the, the Trump administration started it. It was supposed to be for three months and that was you know, three years ago. Can you really honestly think that there is, you know, right, it's the right thing to do, sure. But can you honestly think that it is the practical political thing that will get done to reinstate going, all right, yeah, I know you haven't had to pay anything on this for three years, but we're going to let that go. We're going to now let that expire and you're going to have to pay again. Do you really think that's palatable? Or do you think these politicians think it's palatable? There's no way these politicians think it's palatable. So there's really almost, once you started delaying the payments, you almost set into motion the forgiveness of student loans. It could have maybe, I guess you could have come back once. Like we did it for three months. Sorry, you got to pay this. But now you've told people, you've trained people 
very Pavlovian. You've trained people that they don't have to pay for this. And the, whatever money they could have and would have set aside or would have spent on uh, sending into their student loans, they've now incorporated that into their monthly bills, their monthly nut, their monthly costs. And now you're going to tell people that's got to change. You're going to have to come out and carve out those hundreds of dollars somehow. I don't see that happening. I don't see that being politically viable. The mistake was the concept. And if you go, well, we're going to forgive $10,000 in student loans. People will take it. People will take it. But then what's the justification for the rest of it? You got $50,000 in student loans and you now only have $40,000 in student loans. And you you say, well, only I still have $40,000 in student loans. And it becomes this big kabuki theater where $40,000 becomes the new $50,000. You say, this isn't right. You've got to got to forgive more it wasn't enough what's the argument against that it can't be no no no. i'm sorry we've done too much already no you've broken the concept you've accepted the concept i suspect if they do that joe biden will see a slight bump in his approval ratings and maybe they'll go more and more because right now if the president does nothing and this is why i think he has to do something And they're trying to concoct some sort of weird formula to have carve-outs for rich people to not get their student loans forgiven. I don't think you can really successfully do that. Maybe you can, but I don't know how you can justify it. Uh, But they're making that argument because they're trying to come up with something because it's set to expire on August 31st. The current forbearance period expires on august 31st so you've got august and you got september october and then right in november so two months in a week before the midterm elections where democrats are set up to take a shellacking do you really think that the democrats are going to go you know what let's let the forbearance end no there's no way in God's green earth they're going to do that. So you're looking at it probably at least another three months. So then you go from October, November to the beginning of de- December, and there are three more months. Are you going to say, hey, we're going to reinstitute student loan payments right before Christmas? There's always going to be an excuse. Look, when I was a smoker, I had big plans to quit smoking uh, 5,000 different times. That was it. Any smoker out there knows what I'm talking about, where you're like, all right, I got to quit. You wake up after a night of going out with your friends, and you're like, oh, it hurts to breathe. You smoke, you have a cigarette hangover on top of a, an alcohol hangover, and you go, oh, man, mouth tastes like crap. I got I to gotta quit smoking. Well, but on the way home last night, you stopped at the 7-Eleven and you bought two packs of smokes because it was, you know, buy two, get $2 off or whatever. And I'm like, well, it'd be smart to do. And so you're only like three cigarettes into that one pack and you got this whole other pack. So you'll probably just finish that pack. Well, then you go out drinking again on Saturday night and you lather, rinse, repeat. Or you go, well, I'm going to, Monday I'll quit. And then there's something at work that's happening on Wednesday that just sucks and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of stress. And you go, well, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to be able to quit before Wednesday. You can find all sorts of ways to justify not quitting when ultimately you just got to quit. I quit 
I didn't tell, I've, you know, made big deals of I quit. I haven't had a cigarette since Tuesday. I've done it, whatever it was. And then you end up going back. The time that it stuck was when I just did it. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't announce it to the world. I just stopped doing it. It was the day I got married. I had like three cigarettes left. I finished them and I was done. That was it. I was done. When I quit nicotine, vaping and, and chewing and everything, my blood pressure was high. I was stressed out about things. And, and uh, I came home and I just threw all that stuff away and I was done with it. I mailed off a friend of mine the uh, the nicotine gum because I just I just bought all this stuff. That kind of annoyed me. I just bought like new vape cartridges and I bought some new nicotine gum. But I was like, you know what? I can't have this stuff. I don't want this stuff. You know what? It's not worth it. I want to see my kids. Boom. Get rid of it. Chucked it out. Mailed stuff off. Was done. I didn't announce it to the world. People just noticed. They noticed. Maybe eventually, but they didn't all notice. That's the way to do it. If you're going to sit there and say you're going to let, but this isn't, this is different. You can always find an excuse to keep this extension going. And what is the difference between keeping this extension going and forgiving the the money? Eventually, and the longer you keep it going, the the suspension of payments, the more likely you are, the more you almost have to let the debt go. You have to let the debt go. You would have screwed the, the people screwed themselves over. And yes, I understand and agree that they did it and they shouldn't and it should have never gotten this far. But politically speaking, the longer it goes, the more impossible it becomes politically for either party to reinstitute the payments. Who's going to be the politician to step up and go, yeah, all right, tough. Now start paying again. Is it going to be Joe Biden? Do you think Joe Biden? No, Joe Biden would have done it by now if Joe Biden were willing to do that. And Joe Biden wants to get past this election. And if he gets past this election and gets his butt handed to him, then the next election he's facing is his own reelection, which is going to incentivize him more to do it. So is it going to be a President Trump coming back and doing it? Do you think he would do it? I don't think he started it. Do you think a President DeSantis in his first act is going to say, my fellow Americans, I am proud to be your president. Now get ready to start paying your student loans back. Politically for Republicans, I think the best thing to do is that Joe Biden forgives it. Then they don't have to deal with it. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's moral. I'm saying that's political. There's a huge difference between those two things. And you got to be really safe and careful about not bleeding the two into each other. But politically, that's the best way. As we begin to wrap it up here, I want to point out the more of the fraud of the uh, the BLM activists. As if, as if you didn't know this already. But, uh, you know, it's not very often that uh, it's covered in the mainstream media. Granted, it's the British press, but still, it's somewhere. UK Daily Mail. BLM's controversial co-founder, Patrice Colliers, has admitted she lied when she said she had only ever used the group's six million dollar LA mansion for official business. Oh, remember when they bought they bought she bought a bunch of mansions herself and then they bought a mansion as a group and all that so Colliers thirty eight told the Associated Press Monday that she used the opulent seven bed Studio City compound purchased in cash by BLM in October twenty twenty for her own recreation twice. What 
The first incidents saw her hold a party to toast Joe Biden, Kamala Harris's inauguration as president and vice president. Good thing they're, you know, nonprofit charity is nonpartisan, right? Then, in March of the same year, she commandeered the luxury property property whose purchase was spark, sparked a fur, fury amongst racial justice campaigners for her school-aged son's birthday party. Yeah. Colliers said of her earlier decision to lie, quote, I look back at that and I think, that probably wasn't the best idea, end quote. <laughs> you, you gotta, there's no consequences for it. She lied. Yeah, she lied. The misappropriation of charitable funds. You did that, you'd be in jail. But she's on the right side of politics, so she, which is the left side. So she's cool. She previously issued statements denying that she'd ever lived there or used the property for her personal gain after the purchase was revealed by New York Magazine, triggering allegations of racism from Black Lives Matter. Oh, no. What do you mean? How dare you point out that we might have abused it? You're a racist. But it's true. The story's true. But you're still a racist. <laughs> the purchase of the 6,500-square-foot Studio City property, which officials previously said was reserved exclusively for official foundation business, was disclosed last month by month by New York Magazine. News of the previously under wraps transaction made more than a year and a half ago triggered a firestorm of criticism concerning the financial practices of the foundation's top brass, which had already come into question in recent months. Black Lives Matter raised $90 million in the wake of George Floyd's death and still has an impressive $60 million in cash that nobody knows where it is. Nobody knows where. Explain the reason behind the luxury purchase. Colliers told the Associated Press, quote, We looked at commercial buildings and we looked at homes and we found this really amazing space that's a sweet spot between commercial and residential. No, it's not. It's just a residential that's big enough to be commercial. It's like big enough to be the size square footage wise of an office building, but it's a house. It's got a pool. It's got you know, gardens. It's, it's, it's a compound. He didn't go, all right, well, what we'll do is we'll gut all the really nice decorations inside and we'll make it Soviet style. No, that's not it. She went on to justify the purchase by highlighting how the mansion has a soundstage which enabled BLM to produce podcasts. Uh, as a podcaster, I can assure you that you do not need a soundstage to produce a podcast. You can do it pretty much anywhere. You don't need a built-in swimming pool to produce a podcast. Might be nice, probably make the podcast a lot sexier, but still. You want to give me money to put a swimming pool in my backyard? I'll happily take it and we can test that theory as to whether or not it makes the podcast sexier if I do it while sipping a martini floating on a raft. After receiving the email asking for comment on the House's existence last month, BLM officials reportedly circulated an internal memo with possible responses to the outlet's query concerning the alleged purchase. The responses ranged from, can we kill the story, to our angle needs to be to deflate ownership of the property. <laughs> God, what a racket. Oh, the name of Justin. Who knew? If I had known that helping fight for justice 
was it didn't require you to do much of anything and it paid really well i would have been a justice for it just like the you know the people who get filthy rich advocating for the poor i'm an activist for the poor i mean, now get out of my gated property here uh, you're an activist for the poor yeah i don't want the poor anywhere near me but i'm an activist for the poor okay congratulations uh, if I had known there was that much money and just talking about the poor, I would have never shut up about the poor. <laughs> At the time, Colliers, who uh, attested uh, the property, was bought as a safe space for black creatives, activists, and thought leaders, and its purchase was never disclosed because it needed renovating. Angrily hit back at her detractors, describing criticism she was facing since the purchase uh, was made as racist and sexist because everything is racist and uh, the more ists you can throw in there the better <laughs> colliers meanwhile defended the purchase while speaking to the ap last week arguing that the opulent home was bought to further the value uh, to further value the blm empire quote we really wanted to make sure that the global network foundation had an asset that wasn't just uh, financial resources and we understood that not many black-led organizations have property they don't own their property i don't know how true that is it doesn't matter it's a mansion it's not an office you could have built an office building you could have bought an office building and then that would be property. But no, they wanted a place to hang out. They wanted a place to be cool. I mean, who are we kidding? Speaking to the AP, Collier says she intended to pay a fee to rent the property for her son's birthday. <laughs> I just forgot. Collier's is in a relationship with a woman, and her son's father is musician Damon Turner. Black Lives Matter has since confirmed that it has billed her, but it's unclear how much for if she was charged the same rate as anyone else, and if she has since settled up the supposed debt. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I totally intend on paying you Tuesday for this hamburger today. If they're, they're Really, the only news here would be that if BLM weren't a fraud. If BLM weren't a fraud, then that would be a stop the presses moment. But BLM is a fraud. <laughs> they are a complete and total fraud. They are a nonstop fraud activist wing of the Democrat Party. That they have tax-exempt status is a testament to just how weak our enforcement of tax law is when it comes to the leftists out there who abuse it. And, um, yeah, I, I wonder... I wonder if, uh, since this is a safe space for black creatives, could a white guy rent the BLM mansion out there if you wanted to have a birthday party for your kid? Would you get the Patrice Colliers rate? Would you get the Patrice Colliers waving of collecting on that debt? I doubt it. I doubt it. I just call it suspicion. I don't think so. Anyway, we're out of time for today. I do appreciate you listening. Have yourself a glorious day. Get outside. It's beautiful outside. Have some fun and be back here tomorrow. We'll do it all over again. Thanks for listening. <laughs>